Hi, I'm George Boldarki, host of WFUV's Cityscape. Cityscape won't be heard this week, so we can bring you a special presentation as part of WFUV's Strike Accord campaign focused on veterans returning home. The following is a panel discussion that was produced at the public access network BronxNet. Cityscape will return next week. We'll see you then. Hello, my name is George Boldarki. I'm the news director of NPR affiliate station WFUV, located on the Rose Hill campus of Fordham University here in the Bronx. Each quarter, WFUV works to raise awareness of a particular issue through our Strike Accord campaign. Past campaigns have focused on everything from family caregivers to at-risk youth to the healing power of the arts. We're very pleased to be teaming up with BronxNet for our latest campaign focused on veterans returning home. The road to reintegration can be difficult for veterans. It can be hard to find a job and a place to live. And some vets come back with physical and or emotional wounds that need tending to. Today, we're delving into the challenges veterans can face as they transition from military to civilian life. And we'll also be hearing about programs that aim to help veterans with that transition. The Jericho Project runs one of those programs. Tori Lyon is the Jericho Project's CEO. She's with us today in the studio. Tori, hello. Hi, thank you. Also with us is Vu Nguyen. Vu served in the U.S. Navy from 2004 to 2008. Part of that time was spent in Afghanistan. Vu now works with the organization The Mission Continues, which helps veterans adjust to life at home. Vu, welcome. Thank you. And with, with us also is Josh Chrisman. Josh is an Army and Army National Guard veteran who now works with American Corporate Partners. They're a nationwide mentoring program dedicated to helping veterans. Josh, hello. I want to learn more about your respective organizations, so let's start with you, Tori, right here to my left. Tell us about the Jericho Project. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Um, Jericho Project has been around for over three decades. Uh, We are a developer of supportive and affordable housing for homeless and low-income New Yorkers. About 10 years ago, we started our Veterans Initiative. That was really recognizing that there was a large cohort of Vietnam-era veterans who were already homeless, who had um, had trouble adjusting when they came back many years before and were still struggling. We also saw uh, veterans coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq who were similarly struggling, and we didn't want to. we, We wanted to prevent another generation of homeless veterans. So we started by building um, two veterans residences right here in the Bronx, and we provide affordable housing together with on-site services that really run the gamut from helping you get any entitlements that you maybe ha- uh, have coming to you, uh, hooking up with VA health care or other health care, counseling, uh, post-traumatic stress counseling, employment help, So right now, Jericho serves over 550 veterans and their families every year, and that's with direct housing, employment assistance, housing placement, and uh, social services. We want to talk more about the issues that veterans face specifically, but let's hear first about The Mission Continues, Vu. Sure. The Mission Continues is a nationwide nonprofit organization that deploys veterans on new missions in their communities so that their actions will inspire future generations to serve. Uh, We have three action-oriented programs. Uh, our first one is a fellowship program where a post-9-11 veteran can serve at a nonprofit organization or government institution of their choosing uh, for six months for 20 hours a week. And they also get paid a cost of living stipend uh, during that time as well. Uh, we also have our platoons program, which is our team-based model, where teams of veterans can go out and tackle pressing social issues in their communities. And there are also different tiers of membership within that, too. You can become uh, a member, an at-will member. You can also become a leadership team member, or you can also... 
uh, step up and become the leader of one of these groups. Um, so platoons live outside of the military. Platoons live outside of the military, yes they do. Um, and we have 62 of those across the country and about 35 different cities. And then we also have our new program that we launched this year which is called our Mass Deployment Program, which is a, a, a week-long immersion of service uh, where we send 75 veterans out to a specific city in need and they spend an entire week doing service projects. What are the benefits of involving a veteran in community outreach projects like that? Well, I think it's, it's about uh, putting veterans in, uh, a sense of, in a role of service again. I think for a lot of us who get out, we miss being a part of something bigger than ourselves, uh, miss being in a role of service. I mean, getting out into the community and building a bench or painting a school or, you know, building a, a garden bed or, you know, planting some, uh, some plants or, you know, harvesting some produce just put someone back in that role of service and it really helps out in the in the reintegration and transition for a veteran. Josh, you help veterans find jobs, right? Become gainfully employed through American corporate partners. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, our organization uh, largely focuses on the entire transition. We work with post 9-11 veterans at all different phases of their transitions and our goal is to connect um, business leaders in corporate America with returning service members who are looking to get into a similar field. Uh, we sponsor a year-long formal mentorship. Our staff is hands-on completely. Uh, currently we have about 2,500 vets um, currently in our program and over 8,000 that have already completed our program. What are among the biggest challenges that veterans face finding work, reintegrating into the workforce when they leave the military? I, I think that there are a lot of different issues that face different people um, as far as um, the issues that somebody getting out of the military with um, several graduate degrees might face a different set of challenges than somebody who may have um, only served one term of service and get out with very little formal education to back up um, but certainly there's a disconnect between um, the skills and the workforce that we've trained in the military and how to translate that into the civilian workforce. So how do they work with their mentors? Are they embedded within businesses? Yes, all of our mentors do come from one of the 65 or more um, companies that we partner with. Each of those companies um, supplies us with all of our funding, which is why we're completely free service to veterans, as well as um, 50 or 60 mentors from their senior ranks across the different industries that they host. And our staff works to match the veterans up individually for one-on-one -on -one mentorships with somebody who can speak to the industry that they're interested in getting into, um, as well as we continue to work with both the mentor and the veteran throughout the year-long mentorship to make sure they're getting the most out of the experience. How was your transition out of the military? Um, unfortunately, my transition was a little bit difficult. Um, I wasn't completely familiar with all the resources that were available um, to veterans, and I struggled. Um, I had recently returned from Iraq when I did get out of the military, and um, within months, much like what he said, um, I found trouble sort of um, finding something meaning meaningful. I went from a lot of responsibility at a very young age in the military to waiting tables in Times Square and washing cars in the basement of a corporate office just to make enough to pay the rent. And so unfortunately you end up finding yourself in somewhat of a hole. You need the money to pay the rent, but you need other resources. You need to go to school. You need to do other things for long-term growth. How did you navigate that very challenging terrain? Um, I finally did kind of suck it up and reach out to different organizations, including um, 
the veteran affairs representative at different schools and just started talking to them about how I should pull myself up. Um, but I also reached out to pretty much any organization that I could find um, just looking for short and long-term answers. And those who um, were more responsive, I continued to work with. Those who were less responsive, I just continued to try the next organization. So what are you specifically tasked with at American Corporate Partners? Um, so outside of also managing about 120 mentorships myself, um, I'm also tasked with leading a team that reaches out to universities and colleges across the country to spread the word of the student vets there. How rewarding is that for you? You obviously did not have an easy time of it, but now you're helping others who are not having an easy time of it. That's exactly what I was hoping to leverage my, uh, my university training into. That's exactly what I wanted out of life, so it's extremely rewarding to be a part of this. Boo, what was transitioning like for you? It was difficult. Um, you know, I was in Afghanistan in 2008, and as soon as we got back from that tour, uh, two weeks after we got back, I was beginning my out-processing um, so I didn't have that much time to decompress when I got out. Um, you know, when I, I went back home as soon as I um, transitioned out, and I found it really difficult to just to, you know, find something to be bigger than myself. I mean, I was looking for jobs, too, and around that, that time of the time in 2008, it was really hard to find a job for anybody. Um, the economy was just in this downturn. And so, you know, I just finished four years of service, had a security clearance, and couldn't find a job anywhere. It was really tough, uh, and I slipped into uh, you know, the, sort of the, the things that you usually hear about veterans when they get out. I was depressed. Uh, I had insomnia, um, and you know, I was getting medicated by the VA as well. And I mean, it was a really rough cycle for me because I would take some depression meds to get up and you know, get out and do stuff, and then take some insomnia medication to go to sleep, and then doing that in a circle uh, for months and months at a time. And it, it just... I knew that it just wasn't helping me out at all, so I just ended up stopped, stopped taking those meds. Um, and then I was still looking for a job, which was also very difficult. But luckily, I, uh, I had the GI Bill, so I used that um, to help me buy some time um, and also... Help to pay for your education. Help to pay for my education, also buy some time to help me figure out what I was going to do in the next stage of my life. And then you found that next stage of your life with the Mission Continues? Yeah, I found it actually through the Mission Continues. So kind of similar to what he said, too, is you know, in, in 2000. 12, you know, I was looking at all the different veterans resources that I could find and figuring out, um, you know, what I could learn or what services were available to me. I was taking a veteran entrepreneurship course um, through the Kaufman Foundation um, while I was living in D.C. And uh, the, the facilitator of the course, you know, sent everyone out this email said, hey, uh, you know, there's this really good fellowship opportunity for you through the Mission Continues. Um, I didn't know what the organization was. I didn't know what they did. Uh, but I figured doing a, a fellowship would be great for my resume. Um, so I ended up doing a fellowship, um, and I decided to do the fellowship at the National Veterans Center in D.C., uh, where the Kaufman Foundation um, Veterans Course, Entrepreneurship Course, was taking place. And for me, when, when I got out, too, I was disconnected as a veteran. Um, I really felt bad about the way I got out of the service. Uh, I wanted to serve a lot longer than four years, but I just wasn't able to. Um, and when that happened, and also with the like with all the meds too, and I just really disconnected and just isolated myself. Um, and I felt like the fellowship doing something at the National Veterans Center would help me plug back into the veterans community. Um, and I also felt bad about using my GI Bill um, and using these these wonderful resources and not claiming myself to be a veteran. And through the mission continues, I was able to do that. 
I understand that you helped to fight poverty in Washington, D.C. while you were working there. Yes. Hunger. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in 2000, I did my fellowship in 2012 uh, and did that for six months. Um, and then, you know, after I finished the fellowship, I still wanted to do something. Um, Mission continues helped me out so much in connecting to the community and being plugged in into the veteran space um, that I wanted to do more. And in 2013, they came up with the idea with the service platoons, the, the team-based model that we have. And I was asked as one of the first five people to help pilot the program. Um, and in the beginning, we were tasked with figuring out what the most pressing issues in our cities were. Uh, the first five cities we started out were in uh, D.C., Orlando, L.A., San Diego, and Phoenix. Um, and in D.C., I found out that it was ranked second worst in the country for child hunger. Um, and it's very alarming for me since, you know, D.C. is, I mean, a really big hub for the country. I mean, the top three counties, richest counties uh, in the country are based right outside of D.C. And so to know that, you know, D.C. was ranked second worst in the country for child hunger was very alarming. And I figured that, you know what, this is a really good mission for me to get a team of veterans to go out and uh, attack this problem. Um, and over the course of a year, we ended up help, helping to feed over 10,000 people. Wow. Wow. What an accomplishment, huh? Yeah, it was, it was a great time. Tori, how frequently do you hear stories like this, these stories of transition and the struggles that people face to even simply put a roof over your head mm -hmm. after you get out of the military? Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly... Um, Every veteran has a different transition experience, but there are a lot of similarities, and we see it in a lot of the post-9-11 veterans that we serve. It's a very different generation. Um, there's a lot more women, a lot more women w with children and with families. Um, and, you know, and I think these two gentlemen really exemplify this new generation of veterans who really want to serve. They don't want to hand out. They want to hand up. And um, who, who we see at Jericho mostly are folks who have many risk factors for becoming homeless, and we try to intervene before they, they reach that stage. Um, these are mostly, um, the, the Veterans Reserve are mostly enlisted men and women. Many of them have come from lower income communities. Many have come from right here in the Bronx, and um, they struggle when they come back. They, um, you know, a lot of the veterans are coming back to a really bad economy. They couldn't get a job. Um, I've um, in terms of resources, everybody says there's so many resources for veterans, but they have no way of navigating that. It's really overwhelming. Um, almost every story that we hear at Jericho is there was one person who made a difference. Uh, we have a, a story of a gentleman who was at the VA trying to get services, and he ran into somebody from his unit. And he's like, oh, I need you to take this woman. She's going to tell you about how you can get housing at Jericho. And that's how he came to us. And, you know, he was living in a homeless shelter, and he would, in a million years never would have thought he would have been homeless. And um, I think in terms of employment, there's a lot of challenges as well. Um, you may be uh, a medic in the, in the service, in the Navy, but you, you come out and you can't be an EMS worker. There's no translation. There's no equivalent. You have to start over and take all the tests and all, and all the education where you may have more experience than, a, than an emergency room doctor in patching people up, but you can't get a job back here. And we, we hear that over and over again. And so, I, you know, there are a lot of challenges, but I think this generation is really amazing in their, their dedication to service. And we tell employers all the time, you are never going to have a better employee. You know, you may have somebody with a better resume who's not a veteran, who may have more work experience, but you're going to get the leadership and the teamwork and the commitment and the hard work from a veteran 
every time. Uh, Vu and Josh, had you any idea at all how difficult it would have been for you going in? You know, I know I'm going to go in, I'm going to serve, and I know I'm going to have a challenging road coming out, or was that all just something that totally took you by surprise? It uh, totally took me by surprise. I mean, like I said earlier, I was hoping to stay in a little bit longer than, than four years. Um, and, you know, when I, when I was starting the out process, I figured everything would just work itself out, you know. But unfortunately, it didn't. I mean, and I also think about transition and reintegration in two different ways. Uh, it kind of defined transition as the two-year period after, uh, like, a service member gets out. Like, mm -hmm. are they... Um, plugged into the VA, are they starting to get the resources that they have? And then the reintegration piece can take a lot longer for a lot of people. It could take five years, 10 years, 15 years. And the reintegration piece is, you know, do I have a good job that I'm happy at? Um, am I connected to the community? Um, do, do I know what resources to go to if I have a problem? Um, do I feel like, you know, I'm part of something bigger than myself again? Um, and so, yeah. So I didn't know how, how rough the transition and the reintegration stuff would be. Josh? For me, it was largely uh, going back to before I was in the military. I grew up in a suburban Atlanta family. Everything seemed pretty normal, so I just kind of assumed that when I got out of the military, things would just continue as normal. I would find a job, I would pay my rent, and I would continue to, to grow. But unfortunately, I couldn't find anything to bridge that gap. I couldn't. As soon as I got out, eventually the money ran out, and that was it. And there was no one to turn to, and there was no—I I had no idea what I was supposed to, what I was supposed to do, or how I was supposed to. What was the next step supposed to look like? Is the government failing returning veterans? Should there be more outreach, more of a safety net when you're coming out, and here you are, and there are clearly holes in that safety net for you? It's possible that I mean, maybe during the transition. While we're still in the military, maybe those resources need to be made more available. You're kind of given a list of all the resources and told to have a good life, and you don't even really understand what those resources mean because you've never experienced the consequences where you would need to rely on them for. So maybe there needs to be something, something a little more just general across the board, like, look, if you run out, call this number, or something like that, just something you can access when you find out that you don't know what to do. I think only about um, half of post-9-11 veterans access services at the VA. And so that, to me, is you know an area where the VA could be doing more. Um, certainly in my area, uh, we're working with veterans homelessness. The, both the federal and the city government have made extraordinary commitments and investment in ending veterans homelessness. And just as an example, in New York City, um, we've reduced veteran homelessness by over 90%. Mm -hmm. And we only, out of 60,000 homeless people in New York City, only about 400 are veterans, which is really um, an amazing. So, you know, there, there, are, there is help for veterans. It's not always easy to find, and there's always, you know, you can always do more. But there are, there are resources that have been made available. And a lot of nonprofits, of course, out exactly. there on and the ground. And that's part of, um, it's been Admiral Mullen, who was the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, called it the Sea of Goodwill. But, um, you know, sometimes the waves can be kind of rough, <laughs> and um, it's, really, it's really hard to navigate. There's tens of thousands of charities that say they serve veterans, and um, many of them are not really on the up and up. Do you find that people 
you know, people, civilians, if you will, sometimes just don't get it. They don't understand the challenges that you faced coming out, or even those types of conversations can be difficult with family members, you know, because you don't know where I'm coming from. Yes. You know, just go get a job. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I mean, those conversations do get kind of tough. Um, and, you know, we always talk about this military-civilian divide, uh, but I think it's also because uh, some veterans also like to isolate themselves too, kind of like what I did, kind of operate in our own silos. And um, it's really hard to connect with someone who hasn't been through that experience. But what I've seen too through the work that we do is people want to be connected to it, civilians, or what we like to call non-veterans, since everyone is a civilian. Um, non-veterans like to come out and be a part of it and start to understand that a bit more. Um, and when they get a chance to come out with us to service projects, um, I see this happen quite a bit where veterans become hands-on in what they're doing um, and like there's a wall that just comes down um, and they're able to talk about their experiences and the issues that they're facing and sometimes and when we have some volunteers come in too, you know non-veteran volunteers come in and they get to they get to see into that picture and how, and how difficult it could be and try to bridge that gap as well. Josh, have you had difficult conversations with people about your experiences? I have, but I found a lot of the same thing, what he just said. Um, uh, our volunteers that come from corporate America, most of them have never served in the military, but they're more than happy to have that conversation. They're more than willing to come to the table. They want to help. They just don't always know what the individual challenges are. And I think that a lot of our organizations, even our organizations, are always geared toward one aspect of the transition. And there's so much... There's so many complicating factors across the entire transition, so you really need to be able to depend on multiple services. Um, I found in my own experience I come from a long history of military, but unfortunately the, uh, the conversation can become somewhat dated. Like if I, if I was to speak to my father or something, he was in Vietnam, but then he came out, he did find a job, and his life moved forward, and he, th there tends to be a divide between what I might have been facing versus what he faced many decades ago. I've never served in the military, so I'm curious, how drastically different is military life from civilian life? I mean, clearly there's a lot more structure. You come out, and that structure is not so much there as it was before. I would imagine that's part of the issue for you guys. Uh, yeah, kind of like what you said. It's very structured. I mean, you know where you need to be, when you need to be there. Um, and someone is pretty much yelling at you if you're not there on time. <laughs> um, and when you get out, there's none of that. You know, you pretty much can dictate your own schedule, do whatever you want. And for a lot of us, it's, it's tough to move from a very structured environment to a, uh, to a very unstructured one. I think that also plays into maybe the community of the outreach that you provide, that provides structure. It's structure that you had in the right. military you're now having in your life outside of the military. Yeah, yeah and part of it also, too, is, um, you know, the camaraderie as well. You know, you're around like-minded people who want to do the same things that you're doing, who might have the same issues that you have as well and also have a need to, you know, just be connected in some kind of way. I would think the corporate setting provides some of the structure. That it does, but with the corporate environment, a lot of times you go home at, nine, at 5 p.m., and, and I think that's part of the difference, too. In the military, we really were around each other all the time, and we really were a part of the same mission, whatever that mission was, whether it was training or whether it was in a war zone. We were always around each other, and on top of that, in the military, um, a lot of the basic needs are just taken care of for you. You're given a place to live. You're given food to eat. I mean, you can go outside of that if, if you choose, but the basic structure is already there in place for you to take advantage of. So you don't have to think that far outside of just what do I need to do, and like he said, where do you need to be, and so forth. 
I've read that sometimes returning veterans in their day jobs outside of the military, they can be boring or not as exciting. Do you find that sometimes the case as well, returning, that uh, returning to a routine job just sort of does not provide the same level of satisfaction? Uh, well, it's kind of tough for me to answer that because, I mean, I'm in a position where I, I really enjoy what I do. And I think for a lot of folks who have been in the military, um, I think they have a, a really big need to be involved in work that matters, right? Like we'd wake up every day in the military and wake up and know that we're fighting for freedom, fighting for democracy, all that. And whenever you get out and let's say you work in the financial industry, it's, you know, trying to work to, to have a bigger bottom line. Um, for some people, it just doesn't doesn't connect in that kind of way. It's you know I'm trying to make profits for somebody versus doing something that's very impactful and meaningful for a lot of other people. Josh, what do you find? Do you find that a lot of veterans are seeking that kind of challenge out there? Yeah, to to a big extent, I find that people are unsatisfied with sort of the not necessarily the day to day, but especially where in cases of underemployment or trying to seek something, but saying you know what, when I was in the military, I really enjoyed the international aspect of my job, or I really enjoyed. Uh, working in logistics or in the medical field or whatever it was and not being able to find something very comparable in the civilian world. I think that unfortunately irritates a lot of people and it makes it hard for them to just accept that their nine to five job is may not ever be that. Tori, you talked about how difficult it can be to take the skills from the military and just transition them into a job outside of the military. Do you help to bridge that gap? with the Jericho Project? Yeah, we do, and we, you know, I think we find the same thing that people are looking for a meaningful job, and I think Josh kind of touched on it. When you're in the military, you're given an, a, an extreme amount of responsibility at a very young age, and you can move up very quickly in the ranks, and you may be, you know, working with the mayor of a town in Afghanistan to run the town, and you, then you come back, and the only job you can get is stocking shelves at the drugstore or something. So, yeah, we work. We work with a lot. Um, the GI Bill is a wonderful resource, resource. Um, because that really helps you get the education. And we have quite a few of our veterans who are studying psychology and social work and, and really kind of the helping fields um, because they really want to give back. And many of them are suffering from post-traumatic stress themselves, and they make really good kind of peer mentors. And we hire a lot of veterans uh, because we know that veterans often will open up and, and work more closely with other veterans. That being said, is there at all a stigma associated with being a veteran? Maybe there's concern, there's PTSD or other things that might stand in the way of employment or being able to pay the bills, that kind of thing? There is, I think, some stigma. We have, I don't think it's all that pervasive. Um, we tend to work with employers who are just very eager to hire veterans and they'll hire you know, as many veterans as we can send them because they know that they're, they've been under stress, they've had to perform under stress, and they've had to problem solve and to make decisions. And that's you know, what, what makes a good employee in many cases. Mm-hmm. Either of you, can you talk to that issue? Is there a stigma at all? Um, no, not, not that I could see. It's definitely not as pervasive mm-hmm. as um, some people make it out to be. Uh, and what we see through our work, too, um, is that you know, just doing community service work it just helps people see that you're able to do some some volunteer work or get out and do something. And we actually have some employers who come out to our, some of our service projects, mm-hmm. 
and they get to see people in, in act, action actually doing stuff, mm -hmm. and that actually speaks a lot of volumes too. We had a group of veteran volunteers who came to do some painting at one of the, our veterans' residences, and they just came in, and they're like, okay, you're doing this floor, here's your paint, you do this. They had the whole thing figured out and yeah. logistically done in like two hours. We were expecting it was going to take four or five hours. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what you get with veterans. Yeah. We're running out of time. Yeah. just going to go right. That was a great uh, close there. <laughs> but anything else you want to add to that? Um, no, I just, uh, I would encourage, you know, people to reach out to veterans, get to know them. You can see these t two young men are amazing, and it's, it's a joy to work with veterans. It really is. Fu, final words? Uh, yeah, uh, if you're interested in doing service projects, we have fellowships open all the time. Um, our service platoons, our teams uh, do service projects at least once a month, and we're all across the country, so there's something going on at least once a week. Um, and then we also have our mass deployment applications that are coming up pretty soon. So if you're interested, uh, go to our website and check all that stuff out. All right, Josh, 10 seconds. All right, um, so ACP is another nationwide nonprofit. We have enough mentorships to go around to everybody in the room. And um, basically, it's a great opportunity to work on the soft skills and the hard skills to find meaningful work and to find out how to use the resources that are available to you. Well, that's all the time we have for this special collaboration between public radio station WFUV and BronxNet, focusing on veterans returning home. I want to thank our guests, Tori Lyon, Vu Nguyen, and Josh Chrisman for coming in. For more information about the programs they're involved with, or to simply find out more about WFUV's Strike Accord campaign, visit WFUV.org slash Strike Accord. I'm George Boldarki. Thanks so much for being with us. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.